This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report. On the grains, the wind was brutal here Sunday. Glad we've got all of our crops out. Virtually zero dryer gas was needed this year. Soil moisture reserves were completely depleted by the growing crops with no recharge to date of significance and none in the forecast. Water lines will be at risk of freezing here this winter. Tillage equipment will be abused by the dry hard soils. They are too dry to apply anhydrous to seal around the knives or attach to clay or organic matter. It will still be 90 degrees in the western plains before cooling down into next week. Garden City, Kansas and Tulsa, Oklahoma have a zero rain forecast with conditions too dry to germinate winter wheat. Same story, different verse in Russia. Highs are forecast in the upper 80s, low 90s for Patos de Minas, Brazil, where my son's in-laws are waiting for moisture to start planting soybeans. There's rain in their forecast, better for next week. The wet season is getting a late start down there. They had their best yield and a record price for their soybeans last year. There's enough rain in the forecast for planting progress to advance, but the La Nina will be a problem for them this season. Plans for more acres in South America may not materialize. Corn traded above last week's highs before turning lower on profit-taking. Soybeans and wheat did not do so. For the last few years, balance sheets for crops were so heavy that it would have required two or three events in order to tighten them to the point where bulls had a chance of driving the market. From both the supply and demand sides, USDA has now tightened those balance sheets to where the next quote-unquote event could accomplish that. We have a La Nina going, which could well be the trigger event. If prices did rise sharply in the next spring or summer, would farmers have anything to sell? They've been squeezed by financial demands, negative net incomes, and indoctrinated into believing that $3.50 corn and $10 soybeans are a good price because they've been so for a while. It is farm balance sheets that matter, and there is still a lot of pain out there. Our prices are still cheap compared to daily and Chinese prices. In fact, they likely just stole a huge portion of U.S. crops at prices that could turn out to be another great grain robbery. USDA is still behind the curve on forecasting exports, helping commercials and the Chinese on price, while sending U.S. farmers another ACH from taxpayers. That has been our ag economy for the last few years. A 186 bushel per acre corn yield, such as in Iowa and current cash prices, did not make any money. The ACHs are still needed. I had suggested that harvested corn acreage could come down a million acres, and sometimes I am right. USDA dropped 850,000 acres because of the derate show. Those farmers will get whatever they elected for crop insurance coverage, and crop insurance is not profitable. The USDA planted acreage estimate was pretty close, but they add up acres one more time in the January report, counting for silage. They could lose a couple of hundred thousand more yet. The 700,000 acre reduction in harvested soybean acres surprised me. There were lower corn and soybean yields than in September in places that we expected them, but the crops were better in the northern corn belt and southern corn belt to make up for that. I think that they'll have more harvest data for the November crop report. Usually there's not a lot of adjustment in that report, but there can be in a year like this where so many crops died prematurely. I've been my crops waiting for spring sales. I think that we could see a fight over acres next spring, as corn, soybeans, and spring wheat all five for acres. On the cattle, packers pulled back a bit on the kill late week with a weekly total of 630,000 head, 
off 28,000 head from the prior week and off 11,000 from last year. That is not good for feedlot leverage, which is not current enough to stay in shorter kills. 108 to 109 bought the cattle last week, which was short of the 110 asking price. Upside momentum and cash slowed. The choice cutout lost 194, quoted 214.06. I do not think that the beef market has scored a seasonal low yet. Packers have been killing the cattle they need to fill orders, and the short kill may mean that beef orders have slowed. High-end steakhouses have been selling their ambiance along with their $50 to $60 steaks, and the only way to get the ambiance is to dine in. If it is takeout, they just as well do Arby's. Steaks have gotten smaller and cheaper hamburger more popular. Restaurant capacity is being curtailed by COVID-19 restrictions. I fear that trading summer outside grills for winter steak night out is not going to be an even trade for domestic beef demand. I think that there's plenty of pent-up demand from shut-ins that would love steak night out who are not yet willing to accept the COVID risk, particularly with COVID positives, hospitalizations, and deaths rising so much again. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits.